Welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I'm broadcasting from WOUF Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you once again for joining me today. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, go ahead and do so right now. I come out with new episodes every Wednesday morning, and you're going to want to check it out. Yes. Now, all you Apple Podcast listeners out there, hey, do me a favor. If you like what you're hearing, leave me a review. I'd love to know what you're thinking about the show so far. And hey, if you really love what you're hearing, click that five-star rating. Those ratings really do go a long way toward helping the podcast grow. So I would really appreciate that. Now, we have a wonderful show lined up today. First segment's going to be how to stop your dog from digging. Do you have a perpetual digger at home? Is somebody about to kill you because your dog keeps ripping up the flower beds? <laughs> this segment's for you. Following that segment, it's going to be, why does your dog not listen? Maybe some of the causes of why your dog doesn't listen, and of course, some of those solutions as well. Then we'll have our Breed of the Week and Listener Q&A. If you guys have any questions for that Listener Q&A, be sure you send an email over to me, questions at speakadogcast.com. Before we get going with the show today, I wanted to give you a quick update on my two newest additions to my pack, uh, Commander Riker, my seven-month-old uh, mutt. I was going to call him his breed. What is he? He's a mutt. He's a mix. He's quite the mix. And then, of course, my about year and, well, I guess he's almost almost a year and a half, not quite, uh, Blue Tick Coonhound Captain Nemo. Yes, he's the newest addition. Now, we got Commander Riker when he was about 11 weeks old, seven months now. He's doing phenomenal. Uh, I could just sit here and brag and brag because I'm so proud of this little dude. I love him to death. He's such a fun little puppy. Got great personality. His leash work is really doing well. He even does well off leash. His recall has come along. Commands are great, as they should be for Commander Riker. <laughs> He's coming on appointments with me. He's having a blast at Doggy Day Camp. He is Mr. Social Butterfly. Loves all the other dogs. Plays so well. Shares his toys. No possessive issues. I just can't say enough about him. He's been so great. Um, you know, if if I have a complaint about Commander Riker, it's that, and it's not a complaint. He's like, that's not even the right way to say it. That was so mean. Um, <laughs> it's more of a work in progress. If we have a work in progress, he doesn't get overexcited when he sees people. You know, well, he gets excitable. I wouldn't call it overexcited. He's not jumping. He's not going nuts. But he does kind of want to jump the gun on saying hi. And we want to make sure that stays controlled so he's not pulling me over, right? That's about the only only issue we're really kind of bubbling up at this point. Still a puppy. Still some time for him to to um, chew something. <laughs> you know, we'll see. We'll see. So he's doing awesome. And I can't say enough good things about his progress and his training. And I want to say thank you again to A Second Chance Puppies and Kittens Rescue. They were the ones who helped us find uh, Commander Riker. Now on to Mr. Excuse me, Mr. What's wrong with me? On to Captain Nemo. <laughs> Captain Nemo is a rescue from Big Dog Ranch Rescue down in West Palm Loxahatchee area. Now Captain Nemo was about a year and three months ish when we adopted him. So like I said, we're getting up to that year and a half mark. Not quite. So he's still got a lot of puppy in him. Now he's a blue tick coonhound guys. Any of you haven't listened to my show before, um, you know, he's, he's, he's a handful. <laughs> the breed can be a handful. He definitely had some behavioral issues we're working out. Overall, night and day from where we started with this dog. I mean, really, he's a completely different dog from where we began. Honesty time, we're having some issues with the housebreaking. And really what it comes down to is Nemo's nervous about traffic. This is one of his one of the issues he came to us with. 
And we do have a highway a little ways away. He can hear it. I'm sure clear as day with those ears. And so he tends to get a little nervous outside. Nothing bad, nothing terrible, but it's to a point that he tends to focus on that as opposed to focusing on the job at hand, peeing and pooping. So it's not that he won't, it's just that getting him to focus on it has been a little bit of a challenge, right? A little bit of a challenge. Um, He's doing much better on our car rides. Definitely still not 100% happy in there, and that's going to take some time and some adjustment. But man, once again, night and day difference. His leash work is doing great. He's wonderful inside the house. He's been playing overall pretty well with all the other dogs. Gets a little too excitable at times. We have to reel it in, but nothing that's not abnormal for a dog his age that hasn't been trained. Uh, So we're reeling that in too. But, you know, the point, the takeaway we're taking here, guys, is is one of the things I want to emphasize always with a rescue dog. It takes time, it takes patience, and it takes dedication to get a rescue dog fully acclimated. And for that matter, you know, I really like the way his, the, the rescue we got him from Big Dog Ranch, they did a 3-3-3 rule, essentially three days, three weeks, three months of a timeline of this adjustment period of a rescue. And it's so true. It's so true that it can take three months. Guys, it can sometimes take longer for your dog to fully adjust and feel comfortable in a new environment. So that's why I wanted to share a little of what's going on with Captain Nemo, because while he's a wonderful dog and we love him and it's going great and he has just made strides in his training, it's a struggle. It's a process and that's what training is sometimes. And that's okay, you know? So I just want to want to recognize that and point that out to you guys. If you have a rescue at home and maybe things just aren't going quite as well as you want, hang in there. Hang in there, guys. Keep working at it. Put your head down. Exercise them more. That's the biggest piece of advice I can give you. Exercise them more and think about hiring a trainer. And with that note, I'll give myself a plug. Don't forget, we have virtual training we're doing now. If you guys want to virtually train with me, you can reach out. Questions at Speak a Dogcast. Tell me a little bit about what's going on with your dog behaviorally. And hey, we'll see what we can set up with a training plan to get you on the right track towards success. So again, just a little update on my two pups, Commander Riker, Captain Nemo, everybody else in the pack is doing great. Uh, I did have Colby Jack had a little bit of a growth on one of his paws. He's my old golden retriever. He's getting up there. Uh, We had the growth removed and luckily non-cancerous all is well. It's healing up and he should be back to his normal self within a few weeks here, Uh, but nothing too bad. Violet, she just went for one of her, her six month checkup, my female golden retriever, clean bill of health. Blood work looks great. She looks awesome. She is just great. And then, of course, we have Coco the Chihuahua, and she's still doing good, too. All is well with her. She's nice and healthy, goes for nice long walks, and the pack is just phenomenal. We feel complete now. Five dogs, you know. So awesome, awesome. I just wanted to give you the update on on my pack of puppies uh, and everything going on. But we got to get the podcast started. Let's get moving here. But before we do, got to give you that trivia question. Today's question is, what is the slowest animal on earth? Yes, what is the slowest animal on earth? And I'll give you the answer to that question somewhere in the show today. So be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the podcast. Next up on Speak a Dogcast, it's how to stop your dog from digging. You just spent a lot of money putting in these beautiful new plants, beautiful new flowers, maybe even laid down a nice layer of mulch, and 10 minutes after you get it all done, you come outside to find that your dog has destroyed half of it. Oh, can you imagine? I've heard it before, <laughs> and it stinks. 
And even if you didn't spend all this money on landscaping, you don't need holes every five feet in your backyard. Uh, And how do you get your dog to stop? How do you get them to stop digging? You exercise them more. End of segment. We're done. No. (laughs) Kind of kidding, kind of not. No, look, in all seriousness, yeah, there's a couple different ways we can go about uh, redirecting the behavior because what happens? What happens when that behavior has become kind of habitual? You know, your dog has actually formed a real habit out of it. Sorry, you'll have to excuse. I don't know if you guys can hear that. It's funny, in the microphone at first, I wasn't sure what it was because I was talking. That's Captain Nemo dreaming in the background. Let's see if we can listen in. That was very anticlimactic. Probably chasing a raccoon in his dreams. All right, anyway. (laughs) He's probably digging in his dreams right now, and that's why he's having so much fun. No, but hey, part of it is dogs dig a little bit. It it can be a natural behavior, but again, if it becomes too habitual, that's a problem, right? You don't want them digging up your yard, uh, as well as destructive behaviors are not necessarily good. And normally, if it's obsessive to a point that they're not just digging a little bit here and there and maybe every so often then they're telling you that they're bored, okay? So now really getting back to it, guys, that's where it has to start. Now, no matter uh, what different pieces of advice I give you and how we break some of these habits and uh, training with leash or maybe fencing or all these different kind of things we can do, the first and foremost, you have to exercise your dog more. Your dog is most likely telling you, again, especially if if the digging is obsessive, that they're just bored, They're not getting enough stimulation. They've got all this extra energy and they're going to get it out in some kind of way, you know, and they'll find a way. And that's, that's one of the ways it comes out. So exercise your dog more. Now, of course, if you haven't listened to the segments on how to properly walk your dog, how to create that good walk, definitely go back and check those out. Right and the wrong way to do the walk, make sure you're doing it the right way. It's all about getting your dog mentally engaged on the walk. Remember guys, walks are 85% mental 15% physical. It's how I end every single one of my episodes telling you to get out there and walk your dog because it's that important, okay? So if your dog is digging, it most likely is telling you, I am bored. Please help me. Um, All right? So first and foremost, that's where it has to start. More exercise, more exercise, more exercise. Now, can you play with a ball and get them to run, get them swimming? Are there different ways to supplement the exercise? Absolutely. However, Playtime is never a substitute for the walk. Okay, we just have to reiterate that and go over that again. Playtime, and say it again, playtime is never, ever, ever a substitute for the walk. It is a supplement to the walk, okay? Walks have to be done first and foremost. Playtime comes second. But yeah, I I have no problem supplementing with more exercise. That's where it's got to start. Okay, now, let's say it is kind of habit. Um... You know, you can try to lay down a few different things. If there's a few particular favorite spots that your dog likes to dig, try laying down a little bit of fencing on the floor, on the ground, right? To not make it fun to dig so they can't even get down there. So it blocks them. That's one way we can discourage it is just by putting up a barrier. Another way we discourage digging is just being outside with your dog. Imagine that, spending time outside with your dog. Uh, No, but really, if your dog has an issue outside, like digging, then they just, they can't be left unmonitored in the backyard. They just can't. 
because they're going to continue to dig. And training is all about the ability to guide and direct, right? I say it all the time. And if you're not there to guide and direct, then forget it, right? They're just going to dig. Okay. Now, you might want to try leashing up your dog in the backyard. I talked about training leashes before. Uh, really, it's just a long leash. I prefer that you use a cloth one. Some of those backyard metal ones can be a little dangerous. You know, the rubber coated, um, rubber, excuse me, yeah, rubber coated metal leashes, the backyard tie out leashes, right? Those can be a little dangerous. So I like training leashes that are cloth. You can get a 20, 30, they even make 50 foot leashes. Uh, really good option. Let your dog drag that around the backyard. And that way, if you go to see, if you see them go to start to dig, you have the ability to pick up that leash, correct it, or redirect it, right? Without that leash on, you're kind of SOL. I mean, I mean, that's just no other way to put it. If you can't, if you're forfeiting the ability and you can't guide and direct your dog because they're going to just run away from you, then you're not going to fix the problem. Okay. So the idea would be to try to redirect them. Okay. This, if your dog knows a recall, this is a great time for a recall. Now they may not listen because they're a little too enticed with the digging, hence the leash. Leash them up pull them over to you, call their name, kissy noise, encourage them to come to you, give them a treat. Redirect them away from the digging, and once they give up on the digging, you reward it with food and affection. Nothing wrong with that, okay? That's how we can start breaking that habit of digging. But you have to be out there, you have to be actively involved in order to watch your dog monitor them and make sure they're not digging, okay? So we can definitely put up barriers, but to me, the best way to do it is to go through that, to actually create that process of creating a decision, if you will, for your dog to choose to not want to choose to dig and instead choose to come to you, right? Honestly, guys, digging is, is a pretty simplistic fix. It really is. There's not much to it, but majority of the time your dog is telling you they're bored. That's really what it comes down to in my book. Your dog is bored and they're trying to get that energy out and they're doing it in an unhealthy way. Now, one other thing with digging, just a little side note really quick, your dog also might just be hot if you find that they dig down just a little bit and then lay down where they dug, you know, a little hole, that most likely means that the ground is pretty hot. You know, if you dig down a couple inches, the dirt actually gets pretty cool. And so dogs naturally, they have a natural inclination to want to do that, to scratch at the ground. Uh, and we've talked about bedding and, and, and why dogs scratch at the ground and circle when they want to lie down in the spot. And it is instinctual to clear the area to make sure it's free of pests, free of snakes, free of any kind of uh, animal that could potentially cause them harm when they're laying there. And so that's a part of it, too. It can be a little natural that they're trying to find cooler ground and clear the area to make it, quote unquote, safe for taking a nap, you know. Um, but you don't want to let those instinctual behaviors get out of control. That's why we can leash them up and guide and direct them. But again, just a little side note that that might be why they're digging is because they might be a little hot. So maybe provide your dog with a shaded area. Maybe get out a baby pool. You know, it's September. It's it's it's. I feel like it's hotter uh, right now than it was in the middle of August. It has been a hot September for us. So you know, get a, get a baby pool for them. Maybe they're hot. Make sure you're providing shade, uh, all that kind of good stuff to help keep your dog cool because that might be part of the reason that they're digging. But again, if it's obsessive. Do things like take the exercise up, leashing them out on a training, uh, leashing them, putting them on a training leash, excuse me, in the backyard so you can guide and direct them away from the digging and then reward them once they give up on it. Now, of course, you have to be in the backyard to be able to monitor this, to be able to control this and to be able to change that pattern in their behavior. Okay, we can't put fencing up. We can't put fencing down on the ground, maybe in spots they want to dig in. So that way they can't dig. And all of a sudden it doesn't become fun to dig anymore. We take that fun away. They're not going to want to keep doing it, right? 
So a couple different ways you can hit at that. But to me, first and foremost, I'm just going to repeat it again. <laughs> you need to exercise your dog more if they're digging. Simple as that. I promise you, about 85 to 90% of the time, guys, if you exercise your dog, if your dog's a digger and you exercise them more, that's going to take care of it. It really will. Okay. So can't stress it enough. Get out there, exercise your dog. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services, such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. up on Speak a Dogcast, it's a segment called, Why Does Your Dog Not Listen? Isn't that the most common reason that I get a phone call is because the dog doesn't know how to listen, right? And one of my favorite, I'm not going to lie, one of my favorite client interactions, (laughs) if you will, at a consultation where I had a client who is, uh, who's from New York. I love them. They're wonderful people. They really are. And you know, the guy has his stubborn English bulldog and he looks at me and says, the dog don't listen, you know? (laughs) Oh, and he was right. He wasn't wrong. The dog did not listen at first. (laughs) And so we had to teach the dog how to listen. You know, and and in order to teach your dog how to listen, you have to know why they're not listening, what it takes to get them to listen. And, you know, quite frankly, there's, there are, there are a lot of different reasons why your dog may not listen to you. Um, The first can be a lack of confidence in the dog, right? Maybe your dog has some anxiety issues, or maybe they're just not the most confident dog. And that lack of confidence can lead to insecurity and insecurity leads to maybe being more worried about what's going on around them as opposed to focusing on you and what you have to offer and therefore listening to you, right? Um, So sometimes a dog's confidence or lack thereof can get in the way of your dog listening, you know? Or how about lack of confidence with a human? (laughs) That's the more common one um, in the way that people communicate with their dogs. You know, look, we've had so many segments on the show now, and one of them is how to communicate with your dog. Very important segment. Go back and check it out if you haven't so uh, listened to it so far. And how to be the pack leader. You know, there's another one. Sorry, just popped into my head right there. There's so many good segments that really talk about the importance of having confidence as a person, as, as, as the leader, the pack leader, if you will, and being able to give off that confidence. Therefore, your dog wants to listen. Look, if you're not confident in what you're doing and the way you sound, then your dog's just not going to want to listen to you. I mean, I don't know about you guys, you know, if you've ever been in any kind of group where we have a board and we have elections, I mean, even just school, student council, 
do you really want to elect a person who isn't confident? <laughs> no, you want to elect a person who's sure of themselves, who's sure of their message, who knows what they're trying to say. Confidence. So it's no different. Does your dog want to listen to somebody who doesn't know what they're trying to say? No, absolutely not. So even lack of confidence in a person can be a reason your dog is not listening. Okay. Now, kind of an extension of that is bad communication. Maybe you're not communicating with your dog in a black and white way. And I've talked about it before that dogs have a one-track mind. They can only focus on one thing at a time. So in order to get your dog to listen, you have to be communicating with them in a way that's very black and white. Small pieces of information, right? So maybe the communication breakdown is happening. Or you know what? Maybe your dog doesn't listen just for the simple fact that you have not trained them. <laughs> More likely what's actually happened is you've actually, you've probably trained your dog very, very well but you've trained them to not listen. You know, a dog not listening is really more of a symptom of you haven't trained them to listen, okay? So, you know, one thing I always go back to, and it's funny, I just had a consultation tonight with a puppy, and it's it's the one thing I always circle back to, especially when we have a puppy, you need to teach your dog to focus first. You need to be able to control and manipulate their focus. Look, if you can't control and manipulate their focus, then there's no way you're going to get them to listen. And it kind of makes sense when you think about it, right? So it's all about honing in on that focus. Most people just don't spend enough time training their dogs to focus. And, and that's how you get a dog to listen right there. That's one of the biggest ways. That's one of the most under uh, underlying factors that there is, okay? I'll often hear, oh, the dang, I, I think, David, I think the dog might be dumb. Uh, no, <laughs> look, there are some dogs that are maybe smarter than others, sure. Maybe some dogs will learn faster than others, sure. But they're all really smart, guys. They, they really are. You know, I've really learned that it's what you bring out of them as the owner, as the trainer, it's what you bring out of the dog. And again, sure, some dogs are going to give you a harder time than others. You're going to run into a, a wall sometimes. You're not, you know, you're not going to be able to be perfect with all of them. But they're none of them are dumb. I mean, I've seen some dog. You know, you you see trainers out there who train. You know, trick trainers who train dogs to do amazing tricks and all kinds of fun behaviors. And if you look at those dogs, most of the time they're not one breed. You know, I've seen like uh, uh, on America's Got Talent, you've seen someone go on there. Most of the dogs are not one particular breed, are they? They tend to be mutts or mixed breeds. A lot of them are rescues. I've heard a lot of these people where all the dogs will be rescues in their group. So I, I, I always reference that when I hear people say, oh, the dog is dumb. It's like, guys, have you seen, have you seen the kind of dogs? I mean, they're, they're, they're all over the spectrum of breed and type and size. And, and look at the amazing things they can get those dogs to do because it's by understanding how to go in and motivate that dog. So you have to understand how to motivate your animal, motivate your dog in order to get them to listen as well. Now, of course, there is some stubbornness. Stubbornness, you know, stubbornness can be a breed trait, not a breed stereotype. And I've, I've talked about stereotypes and traits before. There is a difference, right? Traits are bred into a dog. And a stereotype probably comes from a trait. It's just the exaggerated version of it. That's where, you know, it's stereotypes, right? Um, so stubbornness can be a reason that your dog doesn't listen, but most likely what that means is you probably have a breed and look, just honesty time, you probably have a breed that's not matched for you, for your personality, for your family, because it, again, if, if it doesn't really matter the breed, if you know how to tap into that breed specific needs, specific traits, specific, you know, uh, uh, nuances, 
then it's not impossible to train those quote unquote stubborn dogs, right? People do it all the time. Uh, look, even even my new guy Nemo, Captain Nemo, who's doing a lot better, by the way, he really is, and uh, gave an update earlier in this episode. But Captain Nemo, you know, he's a blue tick coonhound. They they're known for being hard headed or stubborn, and in reality, it's a breed trait bred into them because that's what they need to be to stay on a trail, to stay on a scent trail, to be that determined. So does he act quote unquote stubborn at times? Sure. But we have to know how to approach and deal with that, right? And it makes it easier to bring up a better in him. And we're, we're getting there. So, again, there's all these different things that can actually affect why your dog isn't listening, you know? But at the end of the day, guys, training in general, it's all about what you allow and what you don't allow. If you allow your dog to not listen to you, if you allow that as an option, if you allow that, guess what they're going to do? Not listen to you. <laughs> Right? I mean, it's it's pretty straightforward when you think about it again. So it's all in what you condition. And it's funny, I was I was having this conversation with somebody the other day where it's, you know, I've been doing this a long time and the information has become really second nature to me because I've thought about it so much. I've rinsed and repeated it so much and really studied the 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 definitions, the concepts of reinforcement, of punishment and conditioning and and it, you know, it's, it's this like, <laughs> and this is, I'm going to stumble over my words here because I'm trying to explain, I try to explain behavior and reinforcement, punishment, conditioning in a very simplistic way. And it's not always that simplistic. My brain's wired really well to understand this stuff. This, this kind of stuff my brain does awesome with start throwing numbers in front of me and I'm going to have a problem. You know, <laughs> I give me a little while I can work them out, but man, I, I can't do it. My brain just doesn't work quickly with numbers, concepts, theory, all that kind of stuff. Like for example, I was in high school and physics class. I had a buddy who he was really good at calculations, not so great at the concepts and, 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 and under, you know, the, the, the wide bigger picture of things. That was my forte. So we always teamed up on projects. He did the math. I did the concepts and in the application of it. <laughs> uh, that's where I excelled. So I didn't, I didn't do great in physics. I did. Okay. <laughs> was not my best subject. Um, Anyway, so yeah, psychology is not necessarily going to be something that everybody's going to understand in that second nature kind of way. And so I've really been trying to find the way to put it into words that isn't scientific, that isn't definitions, that isn't of, of what conditioning is. And again, I really, I just kind of think at the end of the day, the, the only way to say it is it's all what you allow and what you don't allow. It's all what you allow and what you don't allow. And look, a little bit of a rant time. When I get clients that come in and it's, oh, Fluffy has to be like this because it's like this and this happens. So he does this and he reacts this way because of X, Y, and Z. It's like, no, you, you, those bad behaviors you're telling me he has to do because of this, because this dog walks by at 4 p.m. every day. So he has to, no, he doesn't. It's because you allow that behavior to happen. Fluffy goes, whoa, whoa, whoa this is really fun. Whoa, 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 acting out of control, jumping everywhere, going nuts and he starts learning, well, this works for me, so I'm going to keep doing it. That's the essence of conditioning right there. The owner allows Fluffy to be crazy, therefore Fluffy is crazy. <laughs> right? I mean, that's, 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 that's conditioning. That's it. That's all there is to it, guys. It's whatever behaviors you allow and strengthen, and whatever behaviors you don't allow and you don't strengthen, right? You decrease. 
it's it's very simplistic and that's what makes it complicated right <laughs> um it's all what you allowed with your dogs. Look, another example is I was on an appointment the other day and I had a, uh, I, we're working on, you know, basic walking stuff, uh, how we walk with our dog. And one of the, you know, I've said it before on this, you want to have a short but loose leash, right? One of the most basic things. And if you think about the concept of why we have a short but loose leash, it's because if I have a long leash, then my dog can go all over the place. And that's what was happening. My client had just a couple inches and it wasn't a lot, but it was enough couple inches too much leash out there and the dog is is almost looking like a like a <laughs> I mean he's just weaving back and forth and all over the place and his focus is just everywhere and he did kind of like kind of like literally like an s going woo 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 weaving back and I, I took the leash to demonstrate shorten up the leash a little bit short but loose and sure enough the dog all of a sudden boom hunkers in focuses down on the walk he's with me he's not trying to pull he's not trying to get ahead of me he's focusing in he's not all over the place he's not swerving around like a drunken sailor Uh, (laughs) he looks like a dog on the walk and all of a sudden he's listening all because that's what i'm that's it that's all that's the only short but loose leash that's all i'm allowing okay so you understand conditioning all comes down to what you allow and what you don't allow. Now, when I take a leash with a dog, I make it look a little easier. Number one, because I have, I, I like to think I have knowledge and technique and good technique about working with dogs. Uh, that's the first thing. But the second thing is, and, and this is, this is kind of like a little tricky when you think about it, but when I walk in and I start working with a dog, that dog, my experience with that dog to that dog is brand new right? It's a brand new experience. This dog has never worked with me before. It doesn't know what my expectations are, what I'm going to allow, what I'm not going to allow. But from right off the bat, my rules are very strict. I make it very clear what I allow and what I don't allow. And when you know it, the dog behaves better for me. Now, I have an advantage because I have no other experience with this dog. And whatever I set from the get-go, that's what it is. Now, imagine if every owner did that with their dogs when they first brought them home. <laughs> how much easier your life would be from the beginning if you just put the rules in place. Make it very black and white for your dog to understand, this is what I allow, this is what I do. And all of a sudden, you're going to have a dog who listens and pays attention. I know, kind of full, like, oh, we're going in a wide circle to come back to a dog listening. But it's true. It's true. It's all what you allow and what you don't allow. So if you allow your dog to ignore you, if you allow your dog to walk away from you when you're trying to talk well, talk to them, not converse, uh, <laughs> when you're trying to get information across to your dog and you allow them to just walk away from you, you're teaching your dog, you're conditioning your dog to not listen to you. Yeah. So at the end of the day, if you want your dog to listen to you, it has to start with not allowing them to not listen to you. <laughs> and how do we do that the easiest way, guys? We leash up our dogs when we're working with them. I've had a couple of clients recently say, you know, a lot of, I've had a lot of puppies recently, which is awesome. I love working with puppies. It's a lot of fun. Blank slates. It's a great way to just make a phenomenal dog. You know, it's, 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 it's I, I love it. I wish everybody when they had puppies, I wish you'd all call trainers when you have puppies because you should, you should. It's a great time to take advantage of them being little sponges, you know, and they want to take in information and they want to get trained. And it's such a uh, exciting time. So I love working with puppies. I think it's great. Anyway, so I've had a couple of clients that have said, you know, Puppies are going to act like puppies sometimes, and what happens when they get a little crazy around the house and they want to play keep away from me and I'm trying to get them to calm down, or maybe they grab something that they shouldn't, you know, as puppies do and we're in the learning process and training process. 
is it okay to leash them up is what people will say. Let them drag that leash around. I love that question. It's the best question ever because the answer is absolutely. As long as you're monitoring your dog and you're not leaving them unattended, absolutely they can drag that leash around. That way you have a way to guide and direct their behavior. When they go to keep play keep away from you, boom, you just pick up the leash and that keep away is done. <laughs> Game over, uh, you know, and boom, your dog, you're teaching your dog to listen to you. You're not allowing them to not listen to you. Does it make sense? Okay. Um, <laughs> really, guys, it's all about heading off behaviors. Honestly, if you listen to the podcast, you listen to these episodes enough, you're going to hear it's all about being ahead of your dog, being ahead of the game. You know, when they, when you're when you're playing sports, especially like team sports, things like that, and you have an opponent that you're matched up against, what do you want to do? You want to anticipate what they're going to do next. So you can head that off. So that way it makes it easier to stop them from scoring a point. It's no different training your dog. I want to head off undesired behaviors. I don't want to let undesired behaviors happen. I want to stop them before they happen. Okay, so if I can just step on the leash and boom, now he can't run away from me and I stopped him. Well, he can't run away. I mean, <laughs> like, how easy is that, right? So absolutely, especially if you have a puppy, you can, but even any dog, you know, dogs in general, guys, leash them up and let them drag that leash around the house. Obviously, never, ever, ever let them do that unmonitored. You need to be watching them in case they get caught up on something um, as a leash can do in a house. So just be careful with that. Uh, but that's one great way to teach your dog that not listening is not an option. But really going back to how to get your dog to listen, um, you know, I've said a lot of what not to do and a handful of things of what we want to do. But it's going to start with teaching your dog to focus, guys. That's how you teach your dog to listen. If you have the ability to guide and direct their focus and redirect them at any moment, no matter what's happening, whether they've picked up something in their mouth they shouldn't have, whether they're maybe just being a little too rambunctious, uh, maybe the front door is open by accident, you don't want them to bolt and you need to be able to stop them. That all starts, you know, all of those things are having your dog listen, and it all starts with being able to guide and direct their focus. I can't stress this enough. When it comes to training, and I say this all the time with my clients, when it comes to training, by far, by far, without a doubt, like there's just no question, the most important part of training is having the ability to manipulate and guide and direct their focus. That's how we train dogs. If you think about it, when you're growing up and you're in school, that's how you train children. <laughs> it's how you teach them. You have to be able to guide and direct a child's focus. If you can't guide and direct a child's focus, how in the world are you ever going to teach them anything? It's no different with your dog. And really what that means is you're teaching them to listen, okay? So how do we get them to start focusing? It starts with something so basic and so simple, guys. The kissy noise, calling their name, giving them a treat. Good old Pavlov taught us how to do it. You're going to go fluffy, get them to look at you, get the eye contact, hold the eye contact for one, two seconds, feed them. So once again, I'm just going to go fluffy. They're going to look up at me. I get the eye contact. I say, good. Hold the eye contact for a second or two, feed them. One other little trick you can do, take that treat, put it below, bring it up and put it below your chin. That way your dog is looking at the treat, but then they end up making eye contact with you. So that way what we're feeding is they hear a kissy noise, they turn and look at you, they redirect their focus to you, and then we reward once you gain that focus. That is the easiest, most important, most basic way to get your dog to start listening. Okay. Now you can start this where you leash him up and you just do a little two minute training session of literally just wait till they look away and then 
Fluffy, look up at me, treat under the chin, eye contact, good boy, feed it. That simple. Then you're going to take it up a notch. You're going to start doing it randomly throughout the day when you're home, when you're at your house. Fluffy's in the other room and you're going to go, Fluffy, they're going to come bolting around the corner looking for you, aren't they? Because they want that food. They want that affection. Tell them good. Give them a pet. Give them that treat. Make sure you're feeding eye contact. Make sure you're not rewarding them looking at your hands, okay? The treat should only come out at the last second up to the chin. Get the eye contact feed. Eventually, it will fade out the treat under the chin. That's just a great way to start teaching them that what we want to reward is eye contact. Focusing on us. Focusing not on the treat, not on the treat pouch, but on us, okay? Really important. Guys, it starts there. That That's like, that's the magical little trick, not even a trick. I mean, it's just a magical little device, little training tool that you can use to start getting your dog to listen. It starts there. It begins there. Two feet of leash, being able to redirect your dog with something as simple as their name and a kissy noise. Now, really quick, I'm going to cover why do I say the kissy noise? Why do we do the kissy noise? We talk all the time. <laughs> they hear our voices. They hear conversations. They hear this all the time. So when I when I want to get their attention, I want it to be something that cuts through everything, that kisses, right? That cuts through, and they're going to want to pay attention. Now, dogs, we all know, and we're not going to get into how and why of this today, but we all know that they naturally cue into high-pitched noises, so that's why the kissing noise works so darn well. High-pitched noise, it's something other than talking, and they cue into it right away. They can also hear the high-pitched noises from even further away, right? Um, definitely want to use that. That's where it starts. Uh, I Honestly, we could end the segment right here. We could, because that's all it takes to get your dog to listen. If you can start doing that basic kissing noise, you'll be able to start doing that from 50 feet away, and your dog will listen no matter what. Remember, guys, I only have three ways to motivate an animal. Food, affection, sex drive. Can't do anything with sex drive. Leaves me food and affection. Maybe your wife or husband can. That's a different story. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we only have food and affection to work with right? And if you're giving all of that food and affection away for free, then you literally have zero ways to motivate your animal. And I can also guarantee, you know, that's something I hadn't said. There's probably another reason why your dog is not listening to you. You're giving them food and affection for free all day. What did, well, you know, what did grandma always say? Uh, <laughs> don't, don't give a, why, why would you buy the cow if you get the milk for free? Um, <laughs> it's true, guys. And it's the same can be said for your dog. And that's conditioning and motivation, right? If you're giving away all of your affection and food for free, you don't even make your dog sit and stay and wait for their dinner. You just let them graze all day. Don't let your dog graze. Uh, you give them treats just because. If you're doing that, you are hurting yourself. You're hurting your training abilities with your dog and you're hurting your relationship with your dog, quite frankly, because you're turning them into a spoiled little brat and that's the truth. If your dog is not listening, hate to say it, guys, you may not want to hear it. It's most likely because of something you are or are not doing. A little food for thought. I know not always what we want to hear, but guys, look, the truth of it, and most people know it already, the truth of the matter is when it comes to dog training, I got news for you. 90% about 85-90% of the time when I walk into somebody's house, the behavioral issues stem from the people. That's just the reality of it. It in the 85 to 90 percent of the time, behavioral issues that the dogs are having is because of something the people in the home, the owners are or are not doing. 
If your dog doesn't listen to you, go back and listen to that whole beginning of this segment because I listed all the reasons why they may not be. All right. Uh, but the biggest the biggest reason that I find is because people, quite frankly, the number one thing, people just don't spend enough time teaching their dogs how to focus, having the ability to manipulate and guide and direct that focus. Guys, if 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 I could give, you know, really two pieces of inform two pieces of advice. If I, if I could, if I said, all right, here's two pieces of advice for training any animal on this planet, dog, cat, bird, doesn't matter what it is. And I can only give you two pieces. Here they are. The first one is own it. Act like you've done this a thousand times. That goes back up to that lack of confidence with a person and bad communication. If you don't own it, if you don't act confident, the dog is just not going to believe you. They're not going to listen to you, right? Or the animal in general. That's the first You got to own it. You have to, you got to own it. That's the first thing. The second thing, knowing where their focus is and having the ability to guide and direct it. Without a doubt, any animal on this planet, those are the two best trained pieces of training advice I could offer. That's that's the best thing I could say I could tell somebody in, t- in two small tidbits, right? So think about that. Really think about that. Take that to heart here. If you want your dog to listen, start thinking about how you're communicating with them. Think about if you're confident. Is your dog confident, right? Are you communicating with them in a black and white way that they can understand? Do you understand the concepts of positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, and punishment? Because if you don't, that's contributing to why your dog is not listening, okay? Definitely a lot of reasons why they may not listen, but there's some great ways that I that we talked about to help get your dog on track to listening. So start with that focus. Start with having the ability to guide and direct that focus under any circumstance, and you'll be on your way to having your dog listening to you no matter what's going on. The answer to today's trivia question, what is the slowest animal on earth? It's the sloth. Yes, moving slower than any other mammal on the planet. Their slow pace Well, generally, they travel no more than 125 feet or 38 meters in a single day. And on the rare occasion that these guys find themselves at ground level, only about one foot or 30 centimeters per minute. Next up on Speak a Dogcast, it's our Breed of the Week. This week's Breed of the Week is the soft-coated Wheaton Terrier. Of course, these guys are a member of the Terrier group. Males weigh in at 35 to 40 pounds, with females from 30 to 35 pounds. A sweet, energetic, and devoted dog, the Wheaton Terrier is a silky and smooth-coated pup that loves to be outside and have fun. These dogs are pretty easygoing as far as Terriers go. They do love people, and they're great around families and kids. They're relatively easy to train, but as with any dog, early training and socialization are the best ways to ensure a well-adjusted pet. As with a lot of terriers, they can sometimes have stubborn traits to them, so knowing how to work and train with this breed is very helpful. They need a moderate amount of exercise with a good brisk daily walk as a must. Wheatons are a well-adapted breed. They can do well in an apartment setting, too. They can also succeed at a variety of different tasks from herding, agility, and tracking as well. Wheatons are a relatively healthy breed, but they can be susceptible to kidney ailments, gastrointestinal issues, Addison's disease, and renal dysplasia. Their coat also needs a moderate amount of grooming and upkeep as well. Kept in good health, the Wheaton Terrier can live to be 12 to 15 years old. The origin of the Wheaton Terrier is traced back to Ireland. We can actually thank the Irish for three terrier breeds that share common ancestry. The Wheaton, the Kerry Blue, and the Irish Terrier were all bred for similar purposes. 
An interesting fact about these dogs, in the past, the tail was often docked on these breeds because they were working dogs. Now, of course, we're getting away from tail docking now, uh, but, you know, back then, this was definitely a common trait of, of working dogs. Now, this was also assigned to the tax collector that they were exempt from tax on those dogs. Interesting. Uh, now, the terriers were back then known as the poor man's dog in Ireland, being utilized for tasks such as keeping rodent populations under control, guarding livestock, herding, and hunting. Even though the Wheaton had become popular in Ireland, it was not until 1937, fittingly on St. Patrick's Day, that the Irish Kennel Club recognized them. The Wheaton did not make their entry into the U.S. until 1946. Seven of them were brought over on a boat from Belfast, and two of these puppies went home with a woman by the name of Lydia Vogel of Springfield, Massachusetts. She showed the dogs the following year and produced 17 puppies. In 1962, the Soft-Coated Wheaton Terrier Club of America was founded in Brooklyn, of course on none other than St. Patrick's Day, and this helped bring more recognition to the breed, and they were admitted to the AKC in 1973. Today, the Wheaton Terrier still holds some popularity at number 62 out of 155 breeds according to the AKC. up on Speak a Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. First question today comes from Clarice from Cocoa Beach, Florida. Clarice says, my dog gets excited sometimes when she sees people and will squat and pee a little. How do I get her to stop? Ah, yes, the excitement pees. Um, definitely a common one. You know, it, it's it's habitual is what has happened here. It's it's formed into a habit. And even if your dog isn't nervous, which is what I end up hearing a lot is it starts as a puppy and they never, you know, you never quite curb it. And it ends up becoming such a habit that your dog almost thinks, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Like it's, it, that's what, that's the essence of conditioning, right? So how do you get your dog to stop? You don't let them pee. <laughs> no, you don't let them get overexcited is the key here. Most of the time when I hear this, if not every time, the interactions usually happen quickly, right? We open the front door, the dog immediately runs over to the person, squats in peace, right? It's a quick thing. Or we're out on a walk and someone bends over to say hi and boom, peace, squat and beat, right? So it's something that happens fast. And so what you actually need to do is the opposite of that. You need to slow everything down. Easiest way is to start with the front door. Now you can go back and listen to my front door segment. Uh, that's how we get our dogs under control, you know, completely at the front door. But suffice to say, you're going to want to leash them up and not let them get to the person. Slow the interaction down. Wait till they calm down. Move a little closer. If they start getting excitable, back up a little bit. Wait till they calm down. Move a little bit closer. Keep it very black and white for your dog to understand that the more excited you are. The, the, the further away we get from the person. The calmer you are, the closer we move toward the person. Another suggestion is once you do get close enough to say hello, give your guest a treat to give to your dog. It sort of can act as a distraction, if you will. It really can. Act as a distraction to redirect their focus away from that habit of squatting and peeing to instead a different um you know, a different thing. The idea is we want to change the pattern up. So if you can recondition this to all of a sudden, instead of focusing on squatting and being, I'm focusing on, oh, how do I get the treat from that person? Sit, stay awesome, right? If you're changing it up like that, your dog will stop peeing. So slow it down, wait for your dog to calm down, then try to get closer to the person taking it baby steps at a time. 
Once you do get to the person, try to bring some food into the picture to change the actual physical uh, interaction that happens, right? We're changing the pattern of how that hello happens, right? So that way it never accelerates to overexcitement and you can keep it calm and use that treat to redirect and reinforce the calm behavior. Next question. This comes from Izzy from Long Island, New York. Now, I don't know if I maybe, I think I may have not said that right. I kind of split it up too much. I learned a long time ago, it's not Long Island, and I'm from Florida. You'll have to excuse me. It's Long Island, right? It's one word. Okay. So <laughs> Izzy from Long Island, New York, she says, my sister has an African gray parrot that she has had for years. However, my sister's health has been in decline, and she wants me to take care of her bird and bring it to my house. Now, it's a good bird, steps up to anybody, doesn't bite on anybody, uh, doesn't bite other than the occasional bird nibble. But I'm concerned about keeping her behavior that way with such a big change in her life. What can I do to keep her happy throughout this transition? Well, Izzy, first of all, thank you for being, you know, really awesome and taking your sister's bird. That's really kind of you. Um, and yeah, that's that's a really good question because that's going to be tough. It's going to it could be tough. It may be easy. The, the bird may transition well, especially if the bird's used to you. If the bird's familiar with you, this may be an easier transition. But um, what I would suggest is learn your sister's routine with her bird. You know, if she has a cover she puts on that cage at night, be sure you put that cover on at about the same time every night that she does. Take it off the same time the next morning she does. Feed your feed the bird at the same time your sister does. The right amount of food, the right kind of food. Um, those kind of things you're going to want to try to keep as consistent as possible. That's the idea. Try to, obviously it's a big change in the environment, so try to manage what you can control, what you can keep the same. And if you can keep enough of those factors the same, it should help mitigate some of that uh, nervousness the bird might feel, okay? Another thing is try to start training and working with the bird in a different capacity. Try, try to keep the bird busy, give it new things to do, give it new toys, new interactions, distractions. Uh, train and work with the bird on a new fun behavior, you know, those kind of things that'll keep it busy, and less concerned about maybe where, you know, your sister might be. So you can also even call you. I mean, if you want to even email me, you can reach out to me. We can talk more about it in bird training. And I love talking bird training or find somebody local in your area too, that might be able to help with that one-on-one -on -one. Uh, because it's a good idea to get with a professional, making sure your house is set up and ready for it and making sure you're giving that bird a smooth transition. But really to me, the most important aspect of it is to try to replicate that bird's uh, ritual, it's life, it's habit, it's routine to the best that it had before. Because it seems like, it sounds like the bird is very well adjusted and it sounds like it's a very nice bird. So let's try to keep everything the same that we can. That's my biggest piece of advice on keeping that transition smooth. That'll wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, go ahead and do so. And Apple Podcast users, make sure you leave that five-star review if you love what you are hearing. You can also follow me on Instagram at speakadogcast. Have a wonderful week, and don't forget to get out there and walk your dog.